I hate Miami. I hate football. I'm pretty sure he almost ruined this movie for me. And welcome to the Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast <laughs> of downinfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy belated birthday and happy early birthday to everybody else. Uh, and happy new year. I mean, all this stuff. We'll wrap all that into one. Um, my name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. And if it's your first time kind of checking in, uh, thanks so much. Uh, what we do here is that we review movies, TV shows, uh, just about anything and everything in between from a bunch of different segments, all while drinking some of our favorite beverages, um, sometimes alcoholic, sometimes not. Um, so with me, we're going to go on a bit of a round table and we're going to talk about what else we've been watching along with what we're drinking tonight. We're going to uh, give our bit of a shout outs and then we're going to get into our feature film review tonight. We are reviewing Aquaman by directed by James Wan. It's the same guy from Saw, which is a great movie. Uh, Furious 7, which is a movie. Uh, and he also did some other things that, you know, I'm not too keen on, but a lot of people do like, you know, the Conjuring universe and stuff like that. So it's curious to see sort of his one and a half, almost second sort of superhero movie. If you look at, you know, Furious 7 as being a superhero movie. Do you guys consider that being a superhero movie? I know it has cars in it and The Rock. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, come on. I've, I've not seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Uh, where's Megan Arnold? Okay, hold up. I need to call Megan Arnold. She'll give us a full rundown. <laughs> Get She'll be great. Megan on the line. Get Megan here. Uh, so we're super pumped. I'm actually going to toss it over to my best friend. We've been hanging out as much as, uh, as, much as always. Uh, I miss his face. Uh, hopefully next year we live together. Who knows? Uh, Brylan, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight? And uh, what else have you been watching? Uh, what I'm sipping on tonight. Hello, good evening. Um, right now I am sipping on some Gentleman Jack still, just because it's my favorite thing and I like it. Uh, what I've been watching recently is I checked out this new uh, Netflix docu series called Seven Days Out, uh, which uh, is every episode they chronicle a substantial event, uh, like the last seven days leading up to the big event that happens and so i've watched half of the episode so they've covered like the westminster dog show they've covered um they covered like the reopening of what is considered like the best restaurant in the world at 11 madison park after they did the renovations and they also uh, covered like the last to- the last mission of the Cassini Space Crow Pro before it crashed into Saturn. And I thought they're all interesting documentaries give us a little more of a human side to the process behind what makes these big events happen. Uh, I just wish they would dive a little bit more into the actual like behind the scenes stuff. I feel like they're just doing these slight exposés of everything. So it's solid, it's entertaining. Um, it's a uh, it's made really well. I just wish there was more meat to the uh, information part of it. And where did you watch that? Netflix. Nice. Cool. 
I mean, it seems interesting, and I'm glad that you have your gentleman Jack there. How much do you got left in that bottle? Oh, um, I got like a good amount. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> your O was like, uh-oh, is he already empty? <laughs> no. Nice. Well, as always, it's great to uh, have you on here, especially if you haven't seen Furious 7. I'll be curious to see what, what you thought of James Wan sort of directing a superhero film. Um, so good to have you on. I'll toss it over to my other best friend, uh, way better than Mocha Mike, because no one really likes him. Uh, the Shredder. What's going on, man? What you're sipping on? And what else have you been watching? So I'm sipping on bubbly, sparkling water because it's, I don't know, not bad. Um, and my liver hurts from the holiday seasons. So uh, I have been watching basically one thing every single Christmas Eve, Cool Runnings. Uh, it was an enjoyable experience. I take something new out of it every year. It's been about 23 years in a row, I think, 24, 22, somewhere in that. Uh, it's older than, I assume, at least one of our listeners. Um, and I love it. It's great. One of our listeners. Yeah, well, because I assume that like maybe one of Ryan Dowd's kids has listened to it at one to- at one point. I don't think sense. both of them. I don't think both of them, but <laughs> no, I think at least one of them. Not. We could be super popular in a quad in, in colleges. You never know. Yeah, yeah so, but I think it's only with, only with fifth-year seniors that we're popular with. Ah, okay. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's a term now. They're Russian oligarchs. I hope we, not. We just get exposed in the Mueller investigation. They're like, Donald Trump, we're after you. Right after we get those down in front podcast guys. Everybody's like, who? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Pack it up. Get going. Yeah, Star Lord. Change my name immediately. It'd be great. Well, Shredder, is always good to have you on, uh, especially if you haven't seen him. Um, I'm curious to get your notes and get your thoughts on the film from James Wan and also, you know, starring Jason Momoa, Amber Heard. We're going to get into that one a little bit later on. Uh, my name is Warren, and uh, what else? I've in, I am currently sipping on a combination of a black tea coconut blend. I really wish I remember the name of it, but it's absolutely delicious with a dab of honey and a little bit of vodka, Tito's vodka. It is absolutely amazing. Um, but Blue, I definitely hear you, Maya. I, I probably have drank the most amount of wine I've ever done in my life in these last couple of days. So kudos to that. I uh, appreciate um, um, Emma's family kind of hosting me. That was great. Uh, what, I, what, what we've actually been watching is that I took a look and we were really, really like scanning um, Netflix and Amazon Prime. But we landed on watching The Kindergarten Teacher on Netflix, starting, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal. That movie was a little weird, um, but I like kind of sort of some of the things they were going with it. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal being the kindergarten teacher and finds a kid who um, she feels to be um, pretty gifted because he writes a lot of different poetry. And you kind of figure out, you know, what happens from there, which is pretty interesting. Um, very strange with the, the relationships what they have in there, but I think some solid, solid acting performances. I mean, that is some solid sort of kid acting. So I wish I knew that kid's name um, because he was actually really good. The Unsane actually stars Claire Foy, so I was all about watching that movie. And Jay Farrell, because I, I don't know if you guys watched um, Saturday Night Live. I know Jay Farrell. Yeah, I know Jay Farrell. He like he doesn't do that anymore. Obviously, he like he's like gone for Saturday Night Live, and I was wondering what he's been doing. So I guess he's just going to acting, but I haven't really seen him in anything. Um, so it's nice to kind of see him in a movie that he's not doing like um, pers- impersonations. He's just being like a straight character, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so I loved this movie a lot. 
bit of a psychological thriller almost, and you're not entirely sure, but definitely more of like a mind sort of thing. Uh, and it's nice to see Claire Foy out of like like not being the queen and not being like somebody's like wife, like background character almost. She, um, it's nice to see her like lead an actual movie, um, especially because I haven't seen the um, Girl, Girl in the Spider's Web. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen any of those. So I mean, it was cool to kind of see her in a different light, which is pretty cool. Uh, so here, let's go ahead and um, raise our glasses. Let's give some shout-outs, some holiday shout-outs as well. Um, I'm going to toss it over to Brylan. And Brylan, who are you uh, sending sips to tonight? Uh, I want to send my sips out to some recent birthdays that happened. One, um, friend of the show, guest host of the show, Guillermo, has had a birthday this past week. Um, I don't know how old he's turning, but Guillermo's good people. He has the second best voice that's ever been on this podcast. So, um, cheers to Guillermo for that. And uh, second oh, best, yeah, second best voice. Who's the first best? Well, I'm the mouth. Okay, south. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure that you, that's what you're doing. There. <laughs> uh, I just um, looked up. I look up his IMDb. Guillermo just turned 32 this year. 32. Awesome. I thought he cool. turned 47. One of those. It's all good. Um, and then there was another birthday that happened. Um, oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, let's give it up for Jesus, too. So it was his birthday. That's awesome. But there was one more other special birthday boy. Uh, on Christmas Eve, the OG down in front podcaster himself, Warren Jackson, he turned probably 25, 26, who knows? 20, 27, 27, 27. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 27. And uh, I just want to say happy birthday, Warren. Um, thank you for making this podcast happen. And it's always fun talking to you about all these wonderful things. So I hope you had a great birthday and I, many more to come. Oh, I, I mean, I will. I'm going to live until I'm 150. So thank you. Okay, uh, but thanks cool. so much. Um, I know kind of adding to that blew it. Uh, the Shredder had a birthday before. Oh yeah. Um, Josh Eubanks also had a birthday, originator um, of the Down in Front podcast, and also a uh, friend of the show, Dave Groves. Uh, he also had a birthday. I think his birthday is actually today. Um, so happy birthday, the old man! And I think somebody else's birthday. He has a lot of birthdays, all within like a few days, but only one that matters, obviously. Hmm, conspiracy. Mm, I think so. <laughs> Blew it. Who are you sending sips to tonight? Well, Sip to all the birthday boys. Congratulations. Oh, yes. Birthdays. Congratulations. Um, I think that I'd like to send a sip to Annabelle Dahl, just because she made an appearance in a movie that featured a man who talks to fish. Annabelle Dahl. What? Huh? Can you uh, elaborate? Yeah, so I was just reading the, uh, the Wikipedia on Aquaman, and apparently in one of the shots... Uh, you see Annabelle in the background. Oh, the doll Annabelle from yeah. so not the director from the horror movie Annabelle. Yes, of course, not the director of the cast. Certainly not the scriptwriters, but uh, to the doll. If you could drink, <laughs> you should you should have one. Wait, did he did he direct Annabelle, and that was like his little uh, end for this movie? No, he produced Annabelle, but the whole Annabelle doll was in The Conjuring. Yeah, yeah, it's The Conjuring and Annabelle and like The Nun are all one universe. That's yeah. stupid. I hate that. I'm, I'm going to write that down, but I'm going to scream at James Wan. 
<laughs> but yeah, to Animal's Doll, I would say uh, last time your Cinder Step was very obscure, so I really hope you keep this theme up, but for all the other episodes you're, you're, you were going to be on, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, and you will see me in no new episodes. <laughs> just this just did. ends. Shredder takes a hiatus for three, three years. Damn. Uh, yeah, so I will raise my glass up, and I'm going to send a huge sip, um, almost a gulp, to the extended universe family of the halls for uh, hanging out with me and baking me a pineapple upside down cake and give me one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Um, so thanks so much, everybody that's all out there, whoever is listening. Um, I think so much. I appreciate it because that was like super awesome just to kind of hang out and drink copious amounts of wine. I'm pretty sure it was, it felt like it was like maybe five or six bottles a day. Um, so that was great. So I was definitely kind of hanging for that. So, and mixing and we always had like at least two or three drinks in front of us simultaneously that was great so thanks so much for that Mm. so we have hit our spoiler section so if you have not seen aquaman um at this time we will say you probably want to pause uh just because we will be spoiling the movie we will be talking about some of our pros and cons and like other things about the movie itself and the director and the acting so if you have not seen it we will say click pause Go watch the movie or read my IMDb or if you don't mind, can we keep going? Uh, we will see you soon for in a break uh, for a full review. Welcome back, and we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for kind of hanging out. We are in our spoiler section, so if you have not seen Aquaman, we will be spoiling the movie. There are some things that you may not want to know, uh, but if, for those who doesn't mind or doesn't care, feel free to kind of hang out. I have Blue with me. I have Brylin. We're going to break this up into a couple of sections. So as always, we're going to talk about the acting and characters that kind of as a whole and the overall feel of the movie, and then we're going to get into uh, kind of the universe building, because how does this sort of fits in with this DC universe, along with the, the graphics in this, I think they did a lot of good and different things that we haven't quite seen before. So, as always, I'm going to toss it over to Bryland Mouth of the South. Talk to me about the actings and characters of Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when it comes to like these the acting and the characters of Aquaman, um, I think one thing I saw on Reddit that sums it up for me is they started taking the poster of Aquaman and just taking the titles out and replacing it with a title that says Wet Thor. And that's all Jason Momoa had to be. Um, And I think for the most part, he definitely delivers on that. I mean, he definitely has a charm about him. He has the physical presence to be a this superhuman uh, aquatic uh, hero. Uh, And I think that he's definitely better than what they write the character to be. So uh, I think he does a lot of good with the character, especially for the action parts. Um, 
the dialogue is definitely lacking for everybody, I think, across the board in this movie. Uh, but uh, I think for what he has, he makes it work for the most part, which is uh, I had a lot of fun with Jason Momoa. Yeah, I mean, it. it's weird, but I, I didn't mind too much, you know, even looking and, you know, watching the Justice League. Like he was a quirky character. He spoke out, you know, he was a bit more funny and didn't think didn't really take a lot of things serious um in his the archetype of the characters you know comes from royalty comes from a distant or different land um and has like a mythical or like a different some sort of special superpower that other people doesn't have so when you look at thor you look at aquaman it's like oh i mean yeah it definitely seems like it's a very similar character um i like the way that they kind of he played the majority of this role um it was almost kind of branching off of what we've seen in justice league which i'm glad they had some sort of continuity there um and it was like i just kind of want to live my life and kind of hang out and kind of do some things until you know his responsibility does come to for him to actually um do something to save people so uh, i like how you acted uh, i like how he performed in this movie i think the one thing, and it's not a negative, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, it definitely felt like his lines were more improv. Um, yeah. I, I, I can, it's tough to imagine that his lines was actually being said that way, and I'm like, I wonder if they just let him go and just let him do his thing and probably took a couple of well, takes and said, yeah. It's, yeah it's, I think- it almost seemed like they had like Jason Momoa reactionary line and then just let him fill in with, oh yeah. Got him. Yes. <laughs> Great job. Fantastic. It's like, all right, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was definitely he, the broish attitude they kind of defined in Justice League for this character. I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it first, but I, I like it because, um, I mean, he's definitely a bro like character, but he doesn't like stick to most of those, like, tropes of a bro like uh he has some really cool point good points that he makes especially about like just um just the measure of humanity and things like that and like even if people do bad we should focus on the sense of good and that's like his string series like very empathic person but also um he has he ha- actually has something he can kind of teach the Atlanteans that are uh, a super proud race and everything that uh, he has a humbleness about him that he's trying to share and like even just give him a glimpse of like surface world life what are the good things about it where he's talking about like um, like his favorite movie lines and stuff like that I thought that was all good endearing stuff for the character um, I just wish uh, maybe and hopefully it's a good thing that they keep it kind of I just feel like they kind of kept it too foundational of a character uh, for this one but you know what that gives them a lot of room to grow so hopefully in a sequel they definitely build upon that yeah I was very nervous um, going off of that broy um sense um I was very nervous, especially when they introduced his character and he really was like, I really don't give a shit. I'm just going to go, you know, drink and just kind of, it felt like he was just a surf bro. Um, so when he's having a moment with his father and they just, like, they're drinking and drinking, having a good time, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. I mean, that's what we see. And then, of course, you're going to get into a bar fight, right? Like, that's going to be really annoying. But of course, that's what we're going to see. But they switched it up. 
And I'm liking the fact that, you know, people were like kind of admiring him. And although uh, they know that he was uh, kind of a super powered uh, person, he just didn't want to deal with that. He just wanted to do uh, good. So I'm glad they kind of broke it up a little bit. I'm glad that they really didn't go too much into the stereotype of uh, bro dudes is going to go surf, drink, and not, not really give a shit about anything. He did have some roots of, you know, going back what he really cared about. His uh, mother's sort of uh, relationship, his father's relationship. Yeah. And there's things that was definitely kind of rooted, ingrained in him. Even those flashbacks between him and Willem Dafoe's character, I think those really kind of shaped his beliefs, kind of going up and growing up as a, a, as a man now. I, I think they had to do the bro thing, too. Like, I... You say what you will about it, but if they came out and had Aquaman as being like, oh, I love the sea, you know, like everyone was, <laughs> it's Aquaman. Aquaman's been getting crap from like, I guess any non-comic book fan for 50 years at this point now, yeah. you know, he, it's just like, what a nerdy, nerdy little character that can talk to fish. Like, who cares, you know, and sort of make him this laissez-faire, just like, whatever, let's, I'm just going to live my life. It's it. One makes it more relatable, but two, it also just doesn't. Um, it really underskit undersells the nerdiness of what that character is. Yeah, I'm just glad they didn't make it like a corny joke on the fact that he can drink that much because he's a sea person. Like I, I thought they were going to go that nerdy. I was like, oh, don't ruin this character. Like, keep it fun. No, that was keep pretty, it fresh. I actually like that joke with the uh, I can literally drink uh, or breathe underwater, but you could still out drink me. I thought that yeah, was pretty I funny. I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. What else you got, Bradley? Um, I would say for like uh, the side characters, I I think um, Patrick Wilson was a really cool villain as King Orm. Um, I it's definitely somewhere where uh, his lines could have been better, but I think he brings an interesting presence. He's like a nice, like he's not very different from other villains we've seen, but there's some couple little different twists that they have that we got get to see him go through this um, actual kind of like complex plan that he put together to actually get to where he needs to be, where his whole goal is to become Ocean Master. Uh, and uh, even if that's a cheesy name, I mean, hey, that fits with the comics. And um, I thought his suit and his design were badass it reminded me a lot of like um old like uh seventh voyages of sinbad and things like that so i thought that was his suit was really cool but also i thought it was really cool that to win over one king he decided to go with diplomacy but to win over another king he used the force of might till he was mighty enough to just conquer everybody else so that's like a more rational i mean it feels more rational than like give me the one powerful thing that'll let me rule everybody else he had to like kind of work for it so it was it was really cool to see that happen um i also think uh Dolph Lundgren popping up out of middle of nowhere again in another movie where he's given like a very solid role and stuff he's actually like this concerned king that can actually see like advantages of going with orm versus uh also advantages of posing him and he's like what's going to be the best for my people right now he's got like a feels like a real struggle for this king of like yeah Maybe Atlantis needs to be unified at one time, but is it on which king does it is it going to be under and what for? Um, I thought Amber Heard, uh, I thought she was solid as Mira. I think she gets some really cool action parts. I like that she's kicking just as much ass as Aquaman is. 
Uh, and um, I just and I do feel like when Jason Momoa and Mirror were talking to one another, they did have a good like uh, juxtaposition to one another. Uh, I feel like she could have brought a little bit more to the role, but um, also feel like uh, she was there to give the exposition to the next plot point, which I think is more on the writer's fault than anything. Um, and then the last character I wanted to mention uh, was uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen as Black Manta. Uh, so I, I feel like his character um, could have had better lines to work with as well um maybe he like got over too over aggressive for the character like he became like a one-track mind that after his dad died i want to kill aquaman i want to kill aquaman definitely i think it's a neat idea to give one of your bad guys that kind of like that hero journey in the middle of your movie uh and i thought that was a good way of like setting up his motivation i just feel like it wasn't executed that as good as the rest of the other parts of the movie. Uh, but damn, I love that he had like a little nerd montage because I like that the Lanteans just don't give him his technology that he looks at their technology is like, all right, I'm going to make this so I can use it and use it better. And that's what he does. And like, I love that thing where he's just breaking down the suits, trying to figure out how everything works and just making it his own. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. He pretty much yeah, was, was alone in a cave with a box of scraps in that one. They did like a total freaking Iron Man homage. Uh, it, I, I do have to say like two things. Uh, the writing was trash all around, but it was especially trash for his his lines. He he had the corniest villain lines I've ever heard since like the 1980s. Um, and then that voice modulation effect. It's funny because the voice modulation effect they had on the Atlanteans when they were underwater was really cool. Like it 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 made it seem almost like watery you know uh so I'd, kudos there but the the manta effect was awful it sounded like the cheapest voice modulator box that you could buy from like a toys r us or a, i mean that doesn't exist anymore this is dating it but uh it, but you know it just sounds like some like crappy little voice modulator you buy at some toy store that you just stick up and you're like oh i'm here to get you I mean, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, going off of some of the things you're talking about, you know, I'll start with Manta. And, you know, it felt like they already had this character um, and they just added another character on top uh, for, you know, a, a few different reasons. I, I, I think that the Manta, although it's maybe not a part of the comic book, I get it. But uh, I feel like the Manta should have been an Atlantean, like another half, half one that nobody knew about. Uh, because they also his side general seems to be pretty formidable. Um, I think there was that one guy that came and like captured and defeated um, Aquaman when he was underwater, like pretty pretty easily. Um, so I thought that he was also going to be pretty good. Um, man, yeah, just going off of it, like looking at um, Yahya Abdul Mateem's uh, the second. Oh, that's all, Mister Mateem. Uh, looking at his work and you know. Seeing his character in the get down, he was also pretty quirky and bubbly, kind of out there, and it kind of worked. Um, I think they tried to kind of recreate that in the movie that was also supposed to be light and bubbly and a little bit different of a superhero film, you know, aka just like you know, or close to Thor 3. Um, but I just felt like they needed to choose a choose a way, either choose it to be more serious or choose it to be a bit more funny and comical that he's continually losing. Clearly, there's no way he was going to win against Aquaman. 
but it felt like he like really wanted to and he had to drive but it it also kind of felt comical to me so i was kind of bummed that you know the design itself sh- could have been changed a little bit uh, i'm not sure why he needs that huge helmet on i i know that was the actual character itself i remember way back when i mean from the what 70s right um but it's like, okay, I get it. We've already changed every other villain and every other character in this DC universe. We've changed it. Why did you have to like revert back to that? Uh, you know, I don't even think he even needed uh, a helmet at all. Like maybe some sort of other skin, uh, and just called himself Manta just to make it a little bit more modern. Because that helmet just really threw me off. How silly it was, and you knew what was going to happen, especially in the fact that he fell off that cliff. That looked pretty tough to survive that cliff i sat there was like "Ooh, that was like when homer simpson fell down the springfield gorge oh i was like it i know he's going to be alive but damn that that looked like a lot of hits and he woke up with a couple of scratches in the end so i'm like oh okay whatever um so i was kind of bummed i really kind of wanted a bit more from that character um so hopefully they do change it um, they changed that design now that the head is like kind of smashed up. Um, and also kind of bummed the fact that uh, Lex Luthor didn't find him just kind of floating on the water at the end because he yeah. was currently the boat the last time we saw them. So I thought that was like that could have been a way in in the actual universe, but that actually didn't happen. Uh, I'm super glad about Lundgren. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 his, this is his year. He has won this year. It's Claire Foy <laughs> and Dolph Lundgren has won this year. I thought it was great. And Josh Brolin, uh, true, true. Yeah. true. Um, I like that he he had you know he didn't have to do too much, um, which is also great. I thought the keeping his lines to a minimum yeah. was also great. I mean, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. Um, but they also added you know even also with the Patrick Wilson character like. They added a campiness. They added a hamminess to the villain that these are the, clearly the people that we are not supposed to kind of agree with. Um, but I like the fact that Patrick Wilson's character had a legit claim. You know, he was there, you know, uh, uh, I was going to call him Thor. Whoops. Aquaman like left, right? And so the mom left and they had like a child out, outside of wedlock and she came back and they had a second son. And so he had the legit right to the claim. He was basically doing all the things that he was taught from his father, just like Aquaman was doing from his father. And so you can see how these two you know, kids are now being raised in different environments and different societies and how they're going to be dealing with conflict and things like that. And so I like that his actions were actually motivated in a silly movie like this. I'm like, oh. I mean, yeah, that makes sense what he was trying to do. And, you know, in the end, I'm glad, you know, after they battled and obviously Patrick Wilson lost, we we knew that I'm um, going into this movie. I'm glad that they actually put a line in that said, hey, man, when we have some time, you know, we we should talk. talk. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, yeah, that was a cool you, line. we've never seen that anywhere. None of the Marvels really ever did that before of like, hey, let, let me empathize with you, villain. Like, I understand which you're, I, I see your point, but there's different ways to go about it. I understand that people on land are terrible and they're poisoning our seas and they've done destructive and dis- terrible things to us for years and years and years that you want to lash out, but you haven't from all this time. So I, I like that they kind of injected that in here and it, it made it a bit more real and it definitely make it seems like, you know, he's not going to be evil, which I'm sure... He probably will later on, but I'm glad they actually kind of at least put that in that film. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then the Amber Heard. 
not a huge fan of her. Um, I don't. Uh, I think she was just there to just be opposite to Jason Momoa. Uh, I just kind of wanted to know what was going on with her powers because it felt like nobody else had those powers, and we didn't get anybody to explain it to us at all. Yeah, I mean, Atlanteans will all have their own unique thing. How Arthur talks to fishes, um, and she can control water, and I think Orm has something too that I don't know if they sh- if he showed it or not here, but. Um, they all have their own unique characteristics, especially the highborn Atlanteans. So that's comic book stuff. Um, but um, I wanted to say, like, I, I even like this talk of like uh, just Black Manta being an interesting but like kind of flawed character in this movie. It reminds me of one thing that I also liked about this Aquaman is that he's admitting his faults, like th- when he let Black Manta's father die and he just. Uh, left the submarine there and everything left them on that submarine to sink that uh, at afterwards, like later on, he tells Miro like, yeah, I had the chance to save that guy and I didn't. And I have a villain that I've made. And he's actually kind of like accepting responsibility for making black Manta into the villain that he is. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Also, like that, Aquaman is a hero that has both his parents. <laughs> so, that's really good. What? Uh, um, and this this story ultimately is about two mamas boys just trying to figure out, like, uh, hey, can they be friends or not, or like just learning from the differences. And it's kind of gets stepbrothers at the end. <laughs> I'm so glad her name was not Martha, guys. Yeah. I was like, please. Please don't make her name even close to Martha. Make it as far away as possible. Yeah. And the people that played Aquaman's parents, I thought they did a a fine job as well. I thought Tamora Morrison, of all people, getting Django Fett to come be in this movie, that's a surprising choice, but I think it actually works. And I think he has a good father-son relationship with Jason Manomoa, and he's got a good, like man and wife relationship with Atlanta with uh, Nicole Kidman. I thought they both work and it's really cool to see that he's like this humble fisherman, uh, lighthouse keeper. Uh, and she's a badass queen of Atlantis that when bad guys come, she kicks into action and that she can whoop anybody's ass. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think that first fight scene, I actually kind of was like, I, I had heard nothing about this movie and after that first fight scene, I, I kind of was, was, all right, here we go. Let's do this. Like, that that was a pretty <laughs> kick-ass fight scene. Um, I love the the camera kind of rotating around her as she did, like, those different flips, um, which I think they echoed throughout the, the movie. Um, I, I loved a lot of, especially that, that Italy fight scene with Black Mana. Uh, I guess oh, my yeah. two cents on him. I, I really liked him. Um, I thought it was kind of dumb how his dad had to blow himself up because he – was stuck under a torp. That didn't make any sense to me, especially he was doing it while his kid was still in the hatch. Like, imagine if he blew himself up and his kid didn't run fast enough, and then he blew his kid up. That like it, that seemed weird. Um, but yeah, that's evil pirate dad. Yeah, but, but he that, was he was under he was already trapped under a torpedo, and he pulls out another explosive. There's no way that the entire ship doesn't go down after that. Like, no, no, come on. There yeah, should have been a way I, bigger explosion also, there. Also, let's do some physics here. Like, realistically, if you let the cabin fill up more, you could probably have just lifted the torpedo. Stuff weighs less underwater. 
Yeah. So, you know, like, whoops. Yeah. That, that was, that was a very solvable situation. Um, <laughs> Warren to counteract, I actually did like the, how it changed. So, so I loved the first initial suits and how they tied that back, back into being frogmen in world war two. Um, and then the mantis suit, it made obvious sense that he would take it and adapt it into a condition that he was used to wearing, like the, the traditional like Navy SEAL frogman suit. Um, yeah, it looked campy as hell, but this is this is a movie about a dude who talks to fish. Uh, I honestly couldn't fault it for like the really goofy costume design because I thought it fit well, especially when you compared it to the like the other cyber soldiers. It kind of looked like a, it looked like a not good version of their weapon suits, uh, mm-hmm. which usually the not good versions are campy. I guess my only thing about that is all the other characters that we saw in, you know, in Atlantis, they didn't, they didn't really have any um, motivation besides just kind of following orders. Um, You know, Black Manta actually had legit motivation to, you know, seek revenge against Thor. And if that's the case and you want me to at least have (laughs) I'm gonna keep saying that. I'm just gonna that. dub that in later. <laughs> yeah. Wet Thor. It's just, Wet it's just my <laughs> voice. Aquaman. It's like, yeah, Thor. <laughs> Thor. Uh, so if Black Manta like had legit, like if we're talking about having semi-serious components of this movie, and they did a lot, especially when we talked about the relationships and things like that. If you're talking about it, a motivational sort of force for a character that you're gonna put through this movie. You have to lessen the amount of comedic um, things for this character, whether the look, the lines, the the actual action sequences. Like he actually stabbed him, and it made it seem like, oh, this is the first person that we've seen so far to actually kind of hurt Aquaman when they were fighting in Italy. And so I felt like it was kind of a bummer because the suit was so ridiculous, and it kind of detracted a bit from what he was trying to do, unless they were trying to make it so that, hey, this character's ridiculous, so he's going to continually keep getting beat down and beat down and beat down. If that's the case, and I get it, but you also have to remove the fact that this dude killed his father, basically. Like, he's... He's feeling as as Aquaman has killed my father, so, so I, it just didn't quite match to me, with me. A couple things. Uh, f- first of all, let's be real. Black Manta is a poor man's Eric Killmonger. They have the same <laughs> motivation and the same type. So th- there's that. Um, on the motivation, also, I think they're in a weird turn of events. I think DC is actually having some f- like fore planning on how their cinematic universe, which is shocking. They've not done that before. That's a, that's a new trick, if you will. Um, <laughs> and you stayed for the mid credit scene, right, Warren? I don't know if you count those as technically spoilers for the next one. I stayed for it. You want uh, to talk about that? Yeah. So, so to me, it seems like the, the next movie would be more, it would be less of a big battle between the Atlanteans and more of like an interpersonal thing. And I think that they needed to get Manta to a, uh, you know, to, I always go back to this, but to a Goku power level where he's scaled up enough that he can actually pose a threat. And I yeah. think that they probably didn't want to do the vulture route where, you know, there's like a little bit of a, you know, there's just debris left over from that big fight at the end. And then, 
you know, he scout like salvages it, it, it himself. So I think that they snuck him in there, not as a primary villain for this one, um, but as a way to develop the character, almost like what we saw for uh, Mordo in uh, Stephen Strange. Um, and then also with the, what was it, Shin? Uh, she or Shin? Uh, with Shin. His, Shin. Yeah, with his yeah. character, we'll see. I mean, it's Randall Park. It's probably going to be a funny, goofy character in the next one. And I have no hopes that they're going to like turn him into a serious person. But um, my assumption is that someone with some sort of expertise, you're going to see a Gen 2 version of the suit that's going to look a little bit more sleek and maybe like actually villainous rather than some cheesy kind of, you know, costume. Because my, my opinion, Black Manta was not there as the central point of this movie. He was there literally to get booted up also third part i think that's also why we got that tinker montage as well right Mm -hmm. to show he's not done uh also one little thing i was reading through the imdb thing uh you mentioned him actually stabbing uh aquaman and so earlier in the, the movie they show that he couldn't be pierced by uh surface level steel and so they there's the the you know the concept that maybe his dad dealt with atlanteans before or excuse me, the um, the, His uh, grand, the grandfather, grandfather. because mm-hmm. that was Atlantean rather than, and so that opens up potentially, um, again, not to go the Killmonger, but potentially he might have some sort of claim to something under the sea. Yeah, yeah my, I, I, my, I took that as he is just ingenuitive enough to temper Atlantean steel into his grandfather's blade. My only thing about that, though, um, blew it in like, and we we can kind of keep back going back and forth. Was we see the massive power hike that Aquaman gets in this movie, massive, to the point where not only does he get the trident of the gods, I, I, that may be the name. Uh, the guts. Um, and he gets a fancy new suit and you know he actually kind of really embraces the power to talk to other animals so that he can control multiple animals all in one go to fight for him so if Black Manta is supposed to get a power hike that's going to have to be a severe power hike to at least come uh, at this point I'm like who can even come close right now on earth from all the things that we've seen so far who can come close now to Aquaman. Well, Wonder Woman, Superman, Wonder Woman, still yeah, Superman's. yeah. But I don't. I don't so think no Wonder Woman so far. You know, like, dude, Atlanteans are a far superior race of of it seems um, than the. I mean, Aquaman's essentially water Superman, right? And so, yeah, but Wonder Woman's also just woman. So yeah, but his... she's also a god. So she, nobody else is a god except yeah. her. But it seems like the Trident is way more powerful than anything she's got. Like, I, you know, they, they made the passing reference to Steppenwolf, and we'll talk about this a little later, but, like, it, it almost seems like now he could have just beaten Steppenwolf by himself. Hell, I mean, he could have brought Warm with him and a couple other folks, and three or four of them probably could have, you know, High Atlanteans probably could have taken down Steppenwolf by, them, by themselves. Yeah, good babe. I yeah. mean, I felt like even in that movie, e- even in Justice League, Aquaman was standing pretty toe to toe with his mom's um, trident with Stephen Wolf. Did they did they introduce the mom's trident in that movie? I couldn't remember. He just okay, had a trident. 
Okay, hold up. I think you remember that he disappears and then comes back with a trident to stop the water. Yeah. And nobody says anything about the fact that he has the trident at all. You remember that? Yeah, I thought he got that in Atlantis. And I, I might be misremembering it. I thought he did too, but you know, he literally leaves off. We seems that now they connected those of he was using his mom's trident that she left because she had to go back to Atlantis and he was just going to there in Justice League and came back. I think the only time that we saw Atlantis or excuse me for wrong, but I guess he's never been to Atlantis because they make they say that in this movie here. The only time that we see him go down to the seas is when um they were having that conversation the Justice League, but it also doesn't make too much sense how it ties into this movie, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, they kept it really Really like simple. They you know, also made like, it like, like he doesn't know Mira in this movie, and I'm like, wait, you should know Mira from yeah from before. They knew because they knew each other in the last one, and then she wanders up. You think you'd be like, oh yeah, hey you, yeah, yeah, Anna, yeah. So the only other thing I do want to talk about, uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, the other side characters. So I do want to mention Willem Dafoe and Nicole Kidman is in this movie. Um, I thought for sure Willem Dafoe was going to be a villain. Super glad that he's not. He actually is like now branching into the um, uh, the good trainer, guy. good guy trainer. So I thought mentor that was kind of great. Yeah, the mentor. Man. Thank you. I was like yeah. forgetting that word. Uh, and I'm glad that Nicole Kim has done a little bit of something. I just wish that she was kind of inserted into this movie a little bit, either for flashbacks or something else. Um, I thought, again, that we talked about how poor the writing was. You can literally count... Or, you know, have a drinking game in this movie of how many times he said that his mother's dead in the first 30 minutes to know that his mother's clearly not dead in this movie. Yeah. And her, his mother was clearly coming back on the end of this movie. And so I'm like, oh, I get it, bro. You're going to find out your mother's alive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing I thought that was kind of weird is who is his father? Uh, like, who is uh, Orm's father? And why didn't we see anything for that? He's dead. Yeah, but like. That's I guess why he, Orm is king. Yeah, mm. he needed to die. I think it was just they didn't want to. The movie was two and a half hour long. If yeah. they showed him dying, that it would have been like a three hour long movie. Yeah, I agree. And I think it would be just hammering the point to harm. It's like I was a bad dad. Now watch me die. I mean, we also, didn't need it because we got enough of Patrick Wilson emoting everything to right. get that rage. Right. <laughs> Also, I'm glad that they showed more of Nicole Kidman than what's her face in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, like Nicole Kidman was actually in the film. Um, yeah. Yeah, when they essentially had the same same trope. Spoiler alert for Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, it's, 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 it's same <laughs> white hair. Uh, I mean, the, the only other thing. Is big ups to uh, Randall Park for being in both DC Universe and MCU Universe this year, <laughs> guys. Like that's that movie both came out this year to have like those comedic roles. So get on you, my friend. Get on you. All right. So we talked a bunch about acting and characters. So I'm curious to uh, toss it over to Blue and finish us up. Yeah. So I got a couple of things. Um, I can ag definitely agree that the, uh, the script was trash. Sound like a seventh grader, which I actually think that this is an interesting soft reboot to the entire DC world. Now hear me out. Crazy theory. I think that this is the kid from Shazam 
telling us this story. <laughs> and this is him telling his high, his uh, middle school friends the story of how Aquaman became a thing. Um, it, when he after he first meets them in the Justice League. And this is all flashback, which explains why there's so many crazy, you know, it's a laser light show out there. Um, but the, the, the dialogue is trash. He's basically a seventh grader is repeating all these things. He's forgetting some stuff. He, he doesn't know too many big words. So, and the timing's all out. So I think this is a backdoor and you're going to start to see a new DC universe. Uh, you see Shazam and then maybe he'll do like a Wonder Woman voiceover. So I'm not expecting too much out of that one. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit in there. It explains it because Amber Heard cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Man, she was so terrible that I was hoping for, I mean, at least let her do something. And then the, also the fact that, okay, almost every scene that she was in, if she wasn't being a love interest to Aquaman, they were putting her in some skin tight suit. And it was like, come on, man. Like you guys got to change it up. But we, uh, that's exactly I know. what a seventh grader would want. Yeah. Like, like, oh yeah. I, your we girlfriend, get it. Like, skin tight suit. Yeah. Like, Hot chick. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It just to the point where I'm like looking at everybody else's costumes and just clearly zeroing on Amber Heard and how, you know, attractive she is. I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. But come on, DC. Like y'all got y'all just came out with Wonder Woman and how you can clearly show that you can have positivity with this character that doesn't have to be clearly written by a man maybe y'all can like learn from that nope clearly not and so that was kind of a bummer i was really hoping that she she was giving a bit more um she even she even seen the fact that she was clearly smart definitely way more capable than he was by far um uh, by he i mean aquaman so i i thought that was a bit of a bummer that was definitely a bit of a loss and so i kept coming back to why is she in this movie like i don't uh, it's it just kind of tough for me to say like why she was in this movie and that that character could have been changed for somebody else. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. So let's talk about uh, the graphics of this movie in the bit of the universe building, how it kind of fits in, ties into everything else. Brylon, what you got? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you why Mara's in this movie is because she has the awesome power to control water. And when you put her into a wine cellar, it makes for badass wine spikes to kill that bad guys. That was awesome. I thought that was super dope. Yep. Um, the visuals of this movie are pretty flat out amazing. Um, before I saw this movie, someone told me one of the biggest visual influences for this movie was gonna was Tool. And I didn't really believe them, but when you first see Atlantis, it does look like a mix between a heavy metal cover and Tron, and it works really, really well. It is amazing to see how neon lighty and how uh, just built out and huge and epic Atlantis looks like. And it's I like it when I feel the epicness of these, like these like marvelous places they always describe and everything and when it when i see it on screen and it doesn't meet my expectations of how enormous and expansive it should be i get bummed out i'm happy to see atlantis like meets that and more that there's just stuff going on constantly it looks like a full lived-in world um all the kingdoms are unique it's cool to see like atlantis is just one piece of a huge underwater world that um they have their own differences and 
uh, they look different, and there's all different types of ways that uh, they carry themselves. Um, I also think um, a lot of the action scenes were done really well. Like the action beats were like pretty much nonstop from the beginning, whether it's the uh, Aquaman getting onto the submarine and kicking ass, or if uh, they're being chased through Italy, I thought it was really cool to uh, see Namira Nully use her powers in a different way on the surface, but also uh, just to see that fight between Black Mana and Jason Momoa uh, or Aquaman, I thought was really cool. So um, I also thought the designs of the Lantean guards were really cool. They did look kind of like these like advanced robots mixed with gladiators in a way, like Praetorian Guard from Roman era. Um, but the visual styling and the action, it all made, felt very eighties too, which I thought was really cool that you, you wanted your hero to have cheesy one liners every once in a while, while all this action is going on. And that big battle at the end is mind blowing. I mean, I think there hasn't been like a huge, like numbers wise battle that we've seen that's as dynamic as this one has been. And I think they just knocked it out of the park with like every visual piece of eye candy we can ask for. They teased that in uh in what's it called Justice League. Oh, do they? Yeah, well, I mean, a battle that size. They had that one thing when uh, Stefan Wolf originally had the mother boxes that had like the Atlanteans, the humans, the uh, what's it called? Oh yeah, Tenska, the, uh, the, you know, the lantern was there. Like they had something like that. And they oh just, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they went to town on it. They they. You know, copied and pasted it a couple hundred more times, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was much more epic in this yeah, movie. Yeah. I just like the fact that this huge underwater battle and this huge thing was done underwater in the middle of nowhere. So nobody else would know what was happening except if you're there. Um, so I think that was actually kind of pretty cool. Usually a lot of these battles are clearly done in a bunch of cities, right? And you got the news and all this stuff. We won't hear anything about this in the news. We won't see anything out like the actual impact of it. Um, the, the thing I think that was pretty cool was the fact that when um, Orm and Dolph Lundgren's character, uh, King Nereus, uh, when they like did the uh, sort of like tidal wave to kind of like trash the cities, I thought that was kind of a pretty cool effect, especially the kind of the impact. Um, that's, I thought it was kind of kind of messed up to the fact that we know if you're trapped in there and you're trying to drive away, there's literally nothing that you can do. Um, so that's that's really scary. So I, I like that they were actually using that. Um, just a lot of stuff that we just you know quite hadn't seen before. Even like the fact that their hair was kind of moving. Um, when they were kind of talking underwater, I thought that was actually pretty interesting, especially the fact that they didn't do what they were doing in Justice League of blowing the little circle like air bubble so that they, they can talk underwater. You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did that once or twice. But y- yeah, it wasn't but overused. Exactly. I'm glad it was like not like that the entire time. They actually were like, you know what, we're going to talk while underwater and do this and like just go for it. So I'm glad for them to kind of going for that. Yeah, um, I also uh, thought that um, it was really cool to see. Uh, oh, darn, lost my train of thought. Oh. Brian, to expand on that, I definitely got the Lord of the Rings. I yeah. honestly, honestly thought it was uh, a little bit Star Wars prequel esque. 
especially that last battle with like the crustaceans with the big old walkers. It kind of looked like the, uh, you know, the, what's it called? Um, the empire versus the, the droids, uh, especially with all the, the different laser lights going on. Um, super got that, uh, which paired with the shoddy dialogue. Did we just see another star Wars prequel? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They did not mention Medichlorians, but they mentioned crustaceans. God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. But I also like that, I mean, this uh, Aquaman movie, it continues like the, uh, it continues the thematic language that they're, they've built with the DCEU, where they kind of like looked at an Alex Ross painting and said, this is going to be the visual look of all of our movies. And I still like that look that it is more of like gods among mortals, that it is modern mythology being told rather than what the MCU does, which is more let's put really cool social stories together, but also make these more grounded characters. I do like that. Yeah. Let's have this other universe. Let's have the DC universe and let them be bigger than life. Let them uh, definitely feel not not relatable in some points, which I think is really cool. That we're going to be uh, amazed by the powers and that we're going to be like, oh, this is what could be rather than this is how we should do things. That, that's a fair uh, point. I think that he needed to get out of the Zack Snyder slow-mo slash everything's yeah. gray all the time to really, really show that off. Because you're right, Wonder Woman in color, Aquaman, tons of color. Um, yeah. It, it is definitely a spectacle of gods rather than, you know, Batman talking about his mom. It is. Absolutely. Even though there's two mama boys in here, but they're very colorful. And um, that orange and green outfit for Aquaman uh, that everybody is like, it won't work. I think it works with Jason Momoa. I think it lo- he looks badass in it. And I like that final fight scene that they have. I think um, the fights with the tridents are really cool. Uh, but also like how with Aquaman's powers, like how are they going to make talking to fish look cool? And I like even seeing young Arthur at the aquarium, the bullies are picking on him. And then that one shark gets pissed off and it's just like about to break the aquarium to protect the king, so to speak. But it's, I like that his fish talking just kind of comes from his hands rather than him. Like just say, Hey fish, shut up. Uh, so I like how they actually portrayed that. Yeah, and when he's riding that Kraken and they have the waves just emanating out from him. Uh, again, f- f- for a story about a dude who talks to fish, that was a pretty badass moment. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, the fact that they had that element to it. I'm, I was super nervous that we weren't going to see the full Kraken at all. You can clearly tell what it was, but when he was fighting it, you know, when he had to go on his journey to go to the Beyond, I think it was called, the Great Beyond. Maybe I'm getting I my tube. Moved. Called it in the that was it the was... Kingdom of the Trench. Oh, no, no, it was past no, 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 that. No, no, no. It was the, it was it was the hidden oh, yeah, kingdom yeah, yeah. in the Earth's core. Which I loved oh, yeah. how they had the. It was like a we, journey to the cent- center of the Earth callback where they still yeah, have dinosaurs. dinosaurs. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I like the the I like that fight scene and how they only showed her one sort of, like her multiple sort of tentacles, but we saw that you know he was able to talk to it, and that's what made him a bit different. Uh, and then like the huge reveal, um, definitely more Lord of the Rings. I think Two Towers esque 
maybe mm-hmm. Return of the King. Uh, but that huge reveal of like just kind of bursts out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, okay, that's badass. Like, yeah, that that's that's cool. actually pretty cool. That um, I like that element to it. Do you think he flirted with her? Probably. I would. Yeah, it's Jason Momoa. Of course you did. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about, just speaking of like the visual kind of like beauty of this, um, one scene that I absolutely loved was in the Kingdom of the Trench. Um, when oh, they yeah. did it with, hey, we have to stay out of the dark. And so what they did was these very like wide set camera angles and you could see the masses just curling around the little little glow of light and them just diving down. Um, yeah. I thought that but that was, did look like a heavy metal cover. I don't know what did. Yeah, yeah, right. That was badass. That was I a really gorgeous like that. scene, and that, how it built up was great too. With um, you know, it started with one, two, a couple on the mast, and then all of a sudden they pan out on the boat, and you realize they're all just swimming around on them, and it only goes up from there. Um, yeah, that was that was gorgeously shot and revealed. Yeah, I. I'm glad that we kind of went there. Um, I know again they had mentioned um, the seven seas or the the kingdoms. They had talked about the kingdoms itself, and they uh, they talked about the trenches and how they were just savages now. So we like sacrificed them to the savages. That was literally what they said about her, his mother. And then they also mentioned the uh, I thought they were called the deserters, uh, but they're in the desert, uh, and so. It's curious to see. It looked like all of them died, but I'm wondering if there's anybody else that's still alive that's still in the the Sahara. Um, that was from there, so that was. I'm I'm glad they kind of shown not only the sea is under underground. They even talked about. Oh, excuse me, under underwater. They even talked about. You know, it was above water at one point and had all these technological advances, which gives us more uh, backstory of why they have all these kind of fancy weapons um so it was had a bunch of different sort of technological advances and because of his hubrisness he sunk the entire um kingdom which sucks um so uh, i think that was actually kind of pretty cool that we actually got a chance to see different areas um like we also did in thor i know but you know they actually kind of jumping from um you know site to site or kind of planet to planet so we actually got the chance to see at least some of these other kingdoms and they all look different they all seem to be a little bit more advanced at some point or some kind of run down uh but they all were uh, very very different which is pretty cool yeah the art direction they tied in pretty well like the brine was all that mixture between salt and fresh and it was all like crustacean based um the fishermen were literally like fish men <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, the two closest were the ones that were the original pairings, you know, with, it seems like one, the only real difference was the one was like a middle ages armor and the other was like, I don't know, 3000 year 3000 yeah. armor, but like they, they kind of were the same. It was, it was nice to have it again, like we've talked about in Thor where all these peoples had different traditions and cultures um, and they really drove home that that must've been brutal to be a, uh, like a continuity or a set designer or a costume designer, because you're trying to design not only your primary characters information, but you have to come up with cultural traditions for all these other crazy civilizations and have them make sense with the lore. Um, yeah. speaking of Thor, honestly, this movie and this is not like the worst thing, but this movie's basically like ish a shot for shot remake of Thor three, Thor Ragnarok. Um, it's got the kingdom jumping, and let's start with the obvious one. 
It's about our main character who's in exile trying to beat their step-sibling that they didn't really know about before this movie happened um, because they're trying to take over everything and win, you know, and basically wage war on everything else. Um, it had the same neon lights effect. It had like the ships floating through Atlantis looked exactly like the ships floating through Sakaar. In fact, their escape from Atlantis was basically a shot for shot remix of the escape from Sakaar, um, complete with going into, you know, the fire to get away with them. Uh, whether I just want to say this, but devil's anus is a phenomenal name, you know, for, for anything. (laughs) So we were just keeping that current. Um, it had, in some cases, the score was really good. Uh, and in fact, they did more orchestral work, um, uh, except for one thing that we're going to talk about in one second, but uh, except for, so I, I think they did a, a nice job of splitting it because this wasn't direct, but I mean, they had the cheesy 80 cents, which was Thor 3's big, huge, yeah. like, hey, yeah. we're just going to make this mark. We're going to get the guy from Devo to make this, this soundtrack. But those synths didn't really kick in until they got to Atlantis, but they actually fit. I mean, it goes well with what they were building out. No, it does. But when everyone's been lampooning this movie as being wet Thor, uh, having (laughs) the same musical identity uh, as the the last Thor isn't a great look. And and I wonder, because, like, scoring it is done very late. Scoring this movie would have happened in November in October, you know, like it's one of the last things to be done. So definitively well after Thor three came out, but I wonder when reshoots, when primary shoots were, when the writing was done. Um, because at some point you're, you, you might want to step in and be like, Hey, Hey, like the only thing they did different was that in Thor three, Thor finds out he's the weapon. Uh, and then in this one, Aquaman has to go find the weapon. It, it's basically yeah. like a reverse of it, which is ironic because in, in Avengers, four months later, they're like, oh, never mind. You need a weapon. Ha ha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just really, I, I thought it was more like Thor 1, where it's just like that introduction to Fantastical World. And heck, even Atlantis has a bridge. <laughs> yeah. That's the only yeah, way but into the, it. But the, the, like Thor 1. Which I will stand behind being an okay movie. Um, Terrible. Thor 2 is god-awful. But um, Thor 1, you're right. But it had a lot of more of the fantastical elements of Thor 3. Thor 3, The other thing is that I think both those characters are played in somewhat similar ways. Like, Thor in the Avengers uh, 1 and 2 in Dark World was more of like the Doth Thon... Mother, no, thy pantaloons are on backwards. You know, he was more of that type of Thor in those, but he was kind of like a little bit broy in the first one, and then certainly the third one or the third Thor movie, he was like, you know, he had that swagger. He was walking around taking selfies with chicks and stuff. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't help your case that Momoa's Aquaman is basically the same type of like, same type of character. I didn't even realize how many comparisons until you just started looking, reading through, like listening them out, listing them out, and I'm like, yeah, this almost is exactly like the and Thor movie. Besides, the, the love interest is not there in Ragnarok. Yeah, which I loved about Ragnarok that there wasn't like an obvious romance between uh, the Valkyrie and 
uh, Thor. Thor, yeah, like that. That was that was awesome. I will say this: that Mera could stand on her own. Oh, there was a freaking gladiator fight. That's the other big one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they had the whole stadium scene. I kept on waiting for them to throw the green and orange into the air and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, like um, at least Mera and Valkyrie were one was played much better and by a more talented actress, but you have a strong woman who has her own unique power set and backstory that could stand on her own if necessary. Um, obviously the King of Asgard and the King of Atlantis have a power set that's above that. But, um, but in both those cases, they were, they weren't just damsels in distress. Um, yeah. And, and Warren, you raise an interesting point of like hearing all these things listed out. Cause that immediately the first thing I did, I, I watched it with my, one of my buddies and I looked at him and I'm like, dude, we just saw F- Ragnarok again, didn't we? Um, and so honestly, I think it's kind of a pro for the movie. I, I think I, I yeah. think because they essentially just copied a movie that I really like by default, <laughs> I kind of just liked this movie. Like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't enough that it was like, Oh, I hate it. Cause it's just a copy is like, ah, I'll give it to him. It's just kind of bummer because I think they could have made a copy, but they chose to do things differently. And the things that they chose to do differently are the weakest things about this movie, um, especially starting with the script and some of the characters and how it was kind of approached. So I think that's kind of a that's kind of a bummer of like, man, I you know, as much as we love Ragnarok and I, you know, we really enjoyed that movie a lot. Uh, I definitely don't mind dc doing this especially if and clearly their box office numbers are definitely indicative of they're probably going to continue to keep doing this a bit of a head scratcher as why they haven't been doing this before but um it's whatever the case i'm just glad that they actually are doing some things that are right um but there's a lot of stuff that holds this movie back um and i know um you know we talked about the fact that some of the graphics and you know, some of the directings of it. And Bryling, you talked, you you noticed that I actually going to bring it up, but yeah. I'm curious, <laughs> blew it. How was about 80% of the transitions in this movie? Can you remember? Well, yeah, because I read your note. Oh, Just God. like having everything <laughs> blow up everywhere. Yeah. Come on. That was so like, funny. That was, an, this was a, a fundamental, a fundamental issue that I have with this movie was the fact that they just keep getting in their own way. I think you mentioned it blew it up. You know, it's like a seventh grader. And, you know, Bradley, he had talked about the fact that, you know, this script is trash and the script is really yeah. bo- really bad. How you were piecing this movie together, the editing, who whomever chose to say, oh, yeah, you know, this would be a great idea to have a nice little moment that literally, I mean, the, the first opening sequence, we have a nice moment of them just kind of hanging out on the couch blowing on tea and an explosion in the house and it was like okay and then they go in they talked about they they, they finally give you know jason memorial's momoa's character arthur the his journey of what he has to do he has to go and get this new weapon blow up that sea underwater i'm like okay you know maybe they, they kind of get away from it <laughs> and they do it like three more times and you even mentioned it brylon you know it became funny and i'm like that's not good 
unless that's what you're going for, make sure the movie is masked and at least shapes what you're going for. If you're going to make it a bit of a comedy and you're saying that, hey, you know, wouldn't it be funny because these stereotypical movies would blow up every transition sequence? Like, that would be hilarious, right? No, they kind of played it for a serious approach and a serious tone. And I was like, well, then why are you keep doing this? At least change it up a little bit. Give me something different. Maybe um, Maybe it was Wands a, a scary movie director, and so instead of having jump scares every four seconds, he's just like, <laughs> well, all right, well, it's just, you know, I have my final cut template, and all my transitions have jump scares on them, so I'm just going to copy, <laughs> replace, and it explosion. He, <laughs> like, found the uh, jump scare, like, transitions, like, yeah. turn to explosion, yeah. would you like to apply all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, shit, it's already there. Yeah, all right. It's printed. Yeah. I, it was yeah, three it, keystrokes, and uh, I can't go back on that. It's too much work. I feel, yeah, some points of this movie feel like um, you can definitely feel, like, almost the template of the script in it. And it's like they just built the script off of a template that was there where it's like every 10 pages, you just see the word explosion and they just kept it in. <laughs> but um, I just started to find it hilarious because every moment they were, they did an explosion transition, you thought you were going to get a moment of people like either learning a lesson or having a little bit more deep conversation with one another, but no, they just replace it with an explosion. They move on to the next action scene. And I, I just start to feel like it's so ridiculous. It kind of works now. And for as bad as the script is right now, sure. Might as well get as dumb as possible and just go ahead and put that in. The fact that, you know, it made it feel even more eighties that way. Well, you know, the fact that we have a scene in which they go to the desert, the fact that we have a scene that two people that are born from water goes to a desert and for them to be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm not even going to bring that up. I wasn't (laughs) even going to bring that up. But they were like, oh, well, we need water. Of course you need water. What do you mean? You, like that came, How is this a revelation? You should know this shit before you get there. I, I'm so confused as to why this is hits you. And then you're going to tell me that she's going to extract just a little bit of water from just a little drop of water that made me seem like um, the fifth element. Like the little, it was like, you just gave me one pe- pe- like little drop of water and his line goes, we could have peed on it. <laughs> Cool. That's honestly gr- great. As someone great. who says that all the time at work, um, that, I it. yeah, I, it. Uh, I fix computers for a living, which is making this. That's why this joke's funny. Uh, but so for every every time I say that, I honestly like that line. But strictly because I say that all the time at work. I just th- I mean we talked about the fact that you know issues with the writing, but man. I was just so bummed because it felt like they were going to something that was interesting, even kind of solving the mystery of the golden telescope in the hand of the creator and how Arthur automatically knew a bunch of history from Italy. I'm not, not sure why he knew all that, but he knew tons of history from Italy, but no history from Atlantean, which is kind of weird. Well, um, I mean, his dad like made sure he had a good like surface dweller education. And his mom just—he just had—he just, just had the stories his mom told him as a kid. No, he had and what uh, Willem Dafoe taught him, even though he wasn't too sold on. Yeah, I don't know, man. Vocal, vocal, 
told him a lot of inf- like Volga literally taught him everything and told him a ton of information. But the fact that he didn't tell him the uh, most important parts were a little weird. It's like, yeah, they, they kind of, hey, you got a little brother Orm. He's he's a bit of a shithead. Watch out. <laughs> they kind of flipped on uh, Arthur's like education, or or not education, but intelligence all throughout the uh, the whole film. Like at some point, he was this big brute, dumb weapon. Uh, what would we say, a blunt weapon? Um, and then other times, he's just like remembering ancient Roman history. You know, like it's some, I think that was in the same scene where yeah. he had that. Um, yeah. Other he times, knows Italy. He, yeah, he knows he Italian. Knew, he knew, sir. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he was cultured on it. Um, it, like it wasn't super consistent. It was he was yeah. smart when he needed to be and dumb when when you know they wanted to have a funny moment. It it was silly. I thought it was silly. I thought it was also kind of strange the fact that he didn't try to talk to those. Um, What's those creatures of the deep trench? He didn't try to talk to the the trench people before killing them. It felt like he can't talk. No, he he, made like his boo boo boo. boo. Yeah, because he did later on because he was actually they were helping him in the battle. I think that's the trident's power, though. I think that's what I was. Yeah, the trident amplified him. So that's what I was wondering, and I was like, I kind of needed a bit of a wink, wink about that. Like at least a, enough to says what makes it different now. You're able to control all these. I get it that we talked about the fact that the Ocean Master, which is a terrible title, so um, the Ocean. Oh, awesome. they that's get the like, name, man. Well, but the Ocean Master is the king or the controller of all the armies. I get that. But the trident have you control of the sea, and they mentioned the fact that the trident controls of the sea. But what does that mean? I literally thought the entire sea was going to part at some points, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not. Um, I just would have liked something a little bit more. Hey, instead of punching your way out of these things, let's try to use a bit more brains. Let's use a different way to solve a problem besides fighting your way through it. And that definitely did not happen all the time. I mean, it was sometimes, but I, I would have liked to see something a little bit different. Uh, what else you got, Blewett? Anything else? No, that's the big stuff. Camera work was amazing. I think I said that earlier. The way they blended practical and CGI effects was awesome. That rooftop scene, the way they zoomed in and off between Aquaman, like they they basically just like used a a zoom in. You know that thing where you like. You move the camera in, but zoom out. It's almost like a drone. I forget. Yeah, it did, but it was it was all CGI. Um, but the way they zoomed in and out between the two, um, between CGI and practical effects, was freaking awesome. Um, yeah. Very hard to do when you're half your movies in underwater. Also, that's pretty impressive. I was thinking about that. That they had to basically act like they were in underwater. Like I don't I actually don't know. I should have looked this up before uh, the podcast, but. Uh, how they did where they were suspended there. But obviously they didn't shoot the movie under in a pool. There's, there's some interesting things. Like, I don't know the full thing, but one thing like how they did the hair was um, they like everybody just basically wore like green wigs during the whole time. And Mm. then they just CG'd all the hair that made it look like it was in water. Do you, I wonder if they just use like suspension pulleys and instead of could, yeah could I don't be. I don't know I I I didn't see any documentaries on this or anything but but I, that was that was pretty impressive how they they really blended that and made it natural even though there was definitely the I mean the if not 
99% of it was CG composite. You know, it was pretty damn close. I'm looking up some stats here, but nothing I found too interesting. Um, the captain of the guard, who I was talking about initially, his name was Captain Merc. Um, and played by the guy who played the Black Ranger in Power Rangers. He had the, oh, he's no the guy way. with yeah. He the guy he had the funny sequence where he had to put his head in the toilet. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. All right, you guys talked about uh, lasting thoughts here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So lasting thoughts in this conclusion of what we have for Aquaman. Brylan, toss it over to you. Uh yeah. So I found Aquaman to be a very fun uh popcorny action film. Very harkens back to like an eighties film. I wanted I think Momoa should have had a little bit more Schwarzeneggerisms that he could have said throughout the movie, and I thought that have made it almost perfect. But yeah, the script was terrible, and I hope that they continue with this franchise because Jason Momoa has really impressed me, and I think he can carry something that's got a smarter script. And let's start to see how you're going to handle something like Aquaman being the king of Atlantis, but also dealing with conflicts from the surface world, whether or not it's quote unquote, the general habits of humans versus Atlanteans, but it's more of like, Hey, black Mantis going to probably try to pull some shit to make it look like the surface dwellers are attacking full force to Atlantis. Blue, what you got? Yeah, I thought it was, it'd be really easy to hate on this movie. Um, the script was trash. It was nothing we haven't really seen in the last calendar year before. Um, but you couldn't. I, like, Momoa had enough charm. The, the supporting cast had enough charm. Uh, the visual effects were spectacularly done. Um, it was, I thought it was DC's. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I thought it was DC's best film. I thought the end fight scene and the end rationale was better than uh, the third act of Wonder Woman. Oh, um, terrible. Yeah. And, I, you know, whatever magic that had, I thought as a full, complete film, Aquaman was 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 better. Um, I honestly am kind of excited Shazam! The trailer looks pretty cool. Wonder Woman was good in the first the first movie, so like I'm excited to see the '80s Wonder Woman. I hope that they don't use the same color palette because, as Brylan was saying, this movie was basically an '80s movie. So I'm kind of worried that they're we're gonna get Wonder Woman Thor three as well. Um, but I'm excited to see where things go. Oh, cool. I mean, yeah, uh, I guess I'll hark off uh, a few of you guys' points. Uh, I think I'm pretty excited. The characters, I feel like they're there in where the movie's going, um, meaning like how they're actually kind of formula- formalizing or form- formulating, there we go, a more of an interesting sort of story that we're kind of starting to kind of get. Uh, it's not kind of darker themes because we really were in a Batman, Superman sort of like no one really cares. And Wonder Woman was great, but the third act was terrible um, sort of feeling of it. So I'm glad that we got something a little bit more with substance. Um, and we we can also go back and say, OK, you know, the characters were, were pretty cool. I really think they need to do a little bit better, um, a lot better on the directing, um, editing and sort of the script. 
I'm kind of bummed that, you know, I'm glad that this movie is going to get more popular so that we can see more things to have um, more of an impact for the characters. But if this movie is going to be very, very popular, we also need to realize that there's some bad things in this movie. This movie is fundamentally bad to its core from a lot of other issues, whether it's acting or writing. Um, I really hope those things aren't glorified. And that's like my only sort of like real big beef with this movie. It's tough for me to say, hey, yeah, I recommend you watch this movie because if anybody's going into this movie, I can care less what the visuals are looking like, right? If I'm going into this movie for some story, yes, it's a superhero film. I get it. But at the same time, I still want to follow some sort of coherent story that makes a bit more sense for me to care about why I want to watch this movie. This movie fails at it on many times, on many occasions. And that's my biggest issue um i understand this a popcorn flick but i feel like popcorn flicks should be on netflix or maybe some free or something a little bit more uh cost less money for people um now i feel like if you go into the movie you're looking for a bit of a story definitely visual but you're also looking for a bit of a story and some good character work and some good sort of dialogue and they only gave you half of that just kind of a bummer and with that we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining and kind of hanging out with us tonight. And, Brylan, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me uh, talking to the fishes on Twitter at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on um, Instagram. I am Brylan. I recently put up a uh, mini review of Roma, so go check that out. Uh, Shredder, where can we find more of your work and what uh, show you got coming up soon? Well, not super soon. Uh, shout out to the drummer of my band, Mark. Uh, just had a, well, he didn't, but his, his uh, girlfriend had their first kid uh, today. Uh, baby's doing healthy, which is awesome. Uh, so we're not going to be really playing a ton because I've heard that caring for a newborn is not easy. Mm. Um, but... Uh, once the child grows up, assume in a week, right? That's how this works. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's about a week. Yeah, yeah, about a week. So uh, we'll we'll start playing. We do have one show in February that I'm hopefully he can like sneak away from, um, you know, childcare to 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 play with us. But uh, we should also well, I'm gonna re-release an old EP for iTunes. It's on Bandcamp right now if you really want to listen to it. But uh, sprucing it back up and then it'll be on like the more mainstream. Uh, music platforms um that's at my news you can find us on spotify apple music that sort of fun stuff pandora if you get really unlucky uh made that joke before cashing it in again um also and then if you want to reach out to us you can of course go to jesse rand eats it's just a collection of jesse he doesn't it's not even sushi either like that's the weird part like i understand sushi's a thing but you know that or fish. that or you can you can go see us uh that he has a Skype channel too. It's called Jesse Rand teaches Willem Dafoe impersonations. Uh go hit him up on that and he will scream at you in the most accurate Willem Dafoe accent you can imagine. That'd be great. I'd be down for that. Uh check us out. Would you be down, down in front for that? <laughs> yes. <Yay! laughs> 
downfrontpodcast.com check out more of our work we have our video teasers we have all of our links we have some bios up there so definitely go take a peek uh, we also have our twitter that's actually on that page at underscore jfp that's underscore jfp we're actually going to be tweeting for right now of all of our favorite holiday films for the christmas and so i think the last post was me for the santa claus which was great and if you haven't seen that movie it's great tim allen is amazing What's wrong? If you haven't seen the movie, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I was like, what's wrong with me? Hold, <laughs> hold on. Bro. Oh, no. Nothing wrong uh, with you. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> so definitely check out, I mean, check us out literally just about anywhere. You know, you do a Google search, you go to downinfrontpodcast.com or on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. If you like what we do, you actually want to kind of donate, uh, this tis the season, uh, feel free to kind of sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast for bonus episodes and early episodes. We're also going to be doing things like last calls and other kind of small episodes that we'll be posting uh, along with posting some things on Anchor. So stay tuned for that. And we're super pumped to give you more goodies brylan what's our next episode our next review will be vice Ooh, i heard some good things about that and we sh- could have a special guest so stay tuned for that that should be exciting is it dylan no that guy sucks <laughs> ah well thanks everybody and good night bye oh shit we didn't talk about uh that total africa Ah, uh, whatever. It sucks. We, we started at the it's, beginning. Pitbull sucks. It no, sucks. Yeah. Pitbull's yeah. trash. Pitbull sucks. But Spider-Man liked to get